Ever had a close friend, uh, a family member, maybe even a spouse, that you can get this close to but never never penetrate? There's, there's, just a, there's just a wall. There's a fence there when you go so far. And you can go so far, but then the walls come up, and then the, the, the barriers come up, and you, you think, gee, you're holding something back. And in reality, most of us all are. Because most of us, at the end of the day, don't want everybody knowing everything about us. There's things about our life. There's things that we have, the thoughts that we have, maybe things in our past. that We just rather hold back. Rather, rather keep from being public knowledge of, of friends, family, folks that we're close to, folks that may tell somebody else, folks that may expose us. And so we hold back. And the danger in that is <clears throat> there's a lot to be missed by doing so. Um, Jesus calls us, the scripture calls us, I believe, to transparency. And I don't have time to get into all the background of that this morning, but that's kind of where we're headed as we walk through this study and we continue today with this idea of me over the, of of having my importance and what I want over what you need. And holding back is one of the keys to our living that out and and that being made manifest in our lives. So turn to Joshua chapter 7 as we go through Joshua this Studying lessons on leadership, Joshua, phenomenal leader, and uh, and and leading the nation of Israel into the promised land after the death of Moses. Picking up in verse sixteen uh, of uh, chapter seven. Now <clears throat> they've just conquered Jericho, and in doing so, they send out uh, the next city to be conquered as they as they move toward Canaan and the promised land. The next city to be, city to be con- conquered is the city of Ai. And so he sends out spies to Ai. This is what happens in the first few verses of chapter 7. Joshua sends out spies to Ai. The spies come back and say, we can take them. In fact, we don't even need to send the whole everybody over there. Let's just send about 3,000 troops over there. And we can take them. They're, they're, they're right for the taking. Well, that's what happens. Joshua takes their word, sends the 3,000 troops. They get annihilated. I mean, they, they, they just get dusted all over the place. Come back and report back. The ones that make it back report back to Joshua. Hey, something must have gone awry. And Joshua discovers what we're about to discover here in picking up in verse 16. He discovers that, that, that Achan has walked into Jericho and has seen some things he wanted for the taking, grabbed them up, hit them, and now has claimed them for his own. When, when we saw last week, the Lord said, listen, the devoted things, the silver, the gold, the devoted things are the kingdom things. Those are the things that belong to God. You go in and take the city, the rest of it's yours. Pick up with me in verse 16 of chapter 7. Early the next morning. Joshua had Israel come forward by tribes, and Judah was taken. The clans of Judah came forward, and he took the Zerahites. And the clans of the Zerahites came forward by families, and Zimri was taken. Joshua had his family come forward, man by man. And Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, was taken. And Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give him the praise. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Now watch this. Achan replied, it's true. I've sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I've done. When I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent brought them to Joshua and to all the Israelites and spread them out before the Lord. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold wedge, his sons, his daughters, his cattle, 
donkeys and sheep, his tent and all that he had to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you this day. Then all Israel stoned him. And after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Achan, they heaped a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since. Achor means trouble, the Valley of Trouble. And Achan found what was due him for holding back on God and holding back on the nation because he didn't do what the Lord had promised when they went in to take Jericho. So I want us to see in these few verses some consequences of holding back. First of all, holding back is often a sign of immaturity. Look at verse 17 with me. The clans of Judah came forward, and he took the Zerahites, and the clans of Zerahites came forward by families, and Zimri was taken. Now, Zimri was the grandfather of Achan. So Zimri was still living, meaning Achan was still a grandson, fairly a fairly young man at this time. So I don't know the age, but I would say probably late teens, early 20s. And so, well, probably a little bit later than that, mid Early to mid-20s would probably be the guess. And so Achan, Achan uh, is because he is in you know, this lineage. It's, it's, we tell in these earlier verses, God tells Judah here's how, or, or, or Joshua, here's how to do this. Bring him forward by tribes, then bring him forward by families, and I'll zero in on the one that's guilty. And that's exactly what happens. Joshua brings him forward by tribes, by families, and we, you hear the confession of Achan. And so he, he, uh, he goes in and takes things that didn't belong to him, in large part because he is immature. It calls us to see things in a different light, and immature spiritually. And immaturity will have that place in its life. It will, it, will, it will cause us to see things in a different light, cause us to do things we wouldn't normally do if we had the maturity to know better. It will cause us to walk in a place we wouldn't normally walk if we had the maturity to know better. And so here's Achan, and he goes in for a moment, and uh, uh, likely, like I said, like a young man, and he goes in and sees what he wants and declares what he wants more important than what God needs for, from him. And so it's a great lesson in, for you and I, and, and it's a lesson of walking in immaturity, spiritually. Whether you've been a Christian for 20 years or, or, or two years or 50 years, we can still walk in immaturity when we, when we desire what we want ahead of what he wants for us, ahead of what our, our greatest need is. And so that's what happens on Achan's, in Aiken's case. So he focuses on self, and a person who focuses on self is a great indicator to immaturity. Think, think through that with me. Your, your kids are born into your house. In fact, they're born into this world self-centered. Change my diaper, warm me up, meet my needs, feed me, 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 me. We don't have to learn me. We're born naturally with me to feed my own desires, my own, my own wants, my own needs. So we have to unlearn that behavior. That's an immature behavior that we, as we grow into maturity, have to learn to be others-focused, learn to get our, our vision and our focus and our efforts and our energies off of ourselves <clears throat> and onto other folks. My mom and dad thought my generation was the me generation, and they were right, certainly compared to their generation. It was the me generation. I look at millennials today, no judgment on millennials because I bear, I bear the brother's judgment myself, and I see millennials as the me generation compared to mine, and they are. They're more, more me-focused than our generation was, and, and ours was pretty bad. What's the lesson in that? The lesson is this. The more we move with a focus on ourselves the more those behind us see that same focus and have it for their, for their own. In fact, to, oftentimes to a greater degree than we do. Uh, my baby boomer generation was far more, self, far more self-centered than my parents' generation were. And so as I see the generation behind me being consumed with self and what they want, what, it, it amazes me that, that young 20-something kids get, get married and go into such tremendous debt with a house, with a car, with, 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 with wanting the life that they just left with their mom and dad's house not figuring out that it took their mom and dad 40 or 50 years to get to that point. 
and they want to live with that live with those with those means and in that way, right out of the shoot in, the, in, in early marriage and in early life. Well, bills have a way of leveling us pretty quick most of the time. A mortgage, a utility bill, a, a car bill, something breaks down, and you know it has a way of humbling us to, to, to where we figure out that's not such a good thing, and I need to back off my what I want to see to, to, to meet what I need in this moment. So. The point of that in this whole story of immaturity is this, is that is that if the point is on me and the focus is on me, guess what? Those who are behind me are going to see the same things that I see. And as I said, probably to, to, to a large, to, to a selfish degree, uh, it's, it's usefulness and selfishness has its consequences. We're going to see what some of them are. Here's another one. Secondly, not only is holding back a sign of immaturity, holding back blurs the lines between want and need. Holding back blurs the lines between one and need. Look at verse twenty. The first part of verse twenty-one with me it says, "When I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylonia, two hundred shekels of silver, and a, and a, a wedge of gold weighing fifty shekels, I coveted them, and I took them. I saw them, I coveted them, and I took them. Saw, want, go get. The eyes of a man are usually our downfall, man. The things we see are the things that lead us into areas we don't need to go. It first starts." With what we see, women are women see this differently. I'm not saying that the women's eyes can't be their downfall too, but it's we're more guilty of that than than most women are because women are they they want to look behind what what is what is and to see what really is the core at, at the core of that. And most of us don't. We're too shallow. We're too immature. We look at the surface and whatever appears on the surface, that's what it is. And oftentimes that's not the case. But that's what that was that was Aiken's case. He says, "I saw it. I wanted it, and I took it from my own." And so he wondered what he saw. He, when that happened, what he really needed went out the window. Why? Because what I see now and want is more important than what I need. What I need is to focus on the task of, of, of being obedient to God and going into taking, <clears throat> taking this city for his glory and in his name. What happens is I see that and this and this, and I want it, and I take it, and I hide it for myself. So the modern-day consequences to, as I said, moment ago to this, oftentimes in, in young folks' lives, is, is uh, first of all, crippling debt, which leads to a way to cope or, or a way to, to deal with the debt and, uh, or, in essence, a way to forget. That leads to more, more addictive behaviors, whether it's alcohol, whether it's pills, whether it's porn, whether it's relationships they don't need, whether it's you fill in the blank. Whatever it is, whatever it takes me to forget the mistakes I've made and the, and, and the now dire straits that I'm in, whether it's financial or relational or otherwise, that's what I'm going to do. And so, <clears throat> in fact, there's, uh, there have been news stories in the, in the past couple of weeks, both at a, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> at a national and at a state level about the, the devastating problem of opioid abuse. You want me to tell you what, that, what the statistics are? Ladies in their 30s are the highest users of opioid abuse. You wouldn't think that on the surface, but that's the case. What does, that, what does that tell us? It tells us I, I'm doing, I'm coping, I'm trying to, trying to forget and, and do away with the, the very things that are stirring me, bothering me, convicting me <clears throat> in my life. And those are the consequences to pay for immature decisions. Why? Because the lines between what I want and what I need are blurred. What that kid should want, what Aiken should want, what all of us should want is, in essence, the basics. What you and I should, what you and I need, what you and I want is that house with four bedrooms and three baths and, and three or four car garage and, and, a, and a, a nice outbuilding with a, with a John Deere tractor. And, a, and a, what we need is transportation. 
or what we need is housing. When we need transportation, we want the we want that GMC Denali with the with the SUV with the leather and the, what we need is transportation. And the problem with this is our culture feeds the very things we want. Well, commercials will be back. Look at the Super Bowl commercials tonight. I guarantee you. 70% of those Super Bowl commercials would be about you and what you want and what you need, what you deserve. And you coming away with that commercial with a sense of, I do deserve that. I mean, I deserve to live at his level and her level. I work just as hard as he does and she does. And, the, and we come away with that and say, well, yeah, maybe I, maybe I do. Maybe I, I should. And, 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 and Joshua helps Aiken see, son, there's consequences to blurring the lines between what you want and what you need. You're going to be we saw the consequences. We're going to read about them just in more, more detail in just a second. But the consequences is we blur those lines. We can't see the need anymore because it's just focused on what we want. What we want, we think, we think will fill us and fill us to the, to the brim with, what we, what we, with, with the desire to be significant, desire to be whole, desire to, be, to matter, desire to, to, to where we've accomplished something. <clears throat> and the opposite of that ends up being true. So we end up with with the divorce rate higher than it should be, with the, with the failure rate in business higher than it should be, with the, with the relationships breaking apart higher than they should be. Why? Because we blurred the lines between what we want and what we need, whether it's financial, whether it's relational, whether it's, it doesn't matter what the, what, the, what the culprit is. We blurred the lines between need and want in our culture. And I'm going to tell you, they're, they're, in our culture, they're hugely blurred. Thirdly, not only is holding back a sign of immaturity and blurs the lines between want and need, but thirdly, Holding back forces us into a life of secrets. Look at the latter part of verse 21 with me now. It says, I coveted them and I took them. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. We all have things to hide, don't we? Now, I'm about to step into territory that's dangerous, and I realize this. But ladies, most of you are bothered. Many of you, not most of you. Many of you are bothered with some, some sense of the way you look with your appearance. And many ladies would, li- would like to be about this big around. <clears throat> They'd like to weigh 85 pounds <clears throat> and be beautiful and all of life work for them. But they're not. So most ladies struggle with their weight. And they try and dress in ways to hide that. I wear black or I wear vertical lines. Vertical lines are, are thinning. And, you know, if I've got a bigger end and I wear a top long enough to cover my rear, I've just got a bigger top. On the, I mean, the bottom of my top's bigger than it should be because it's covering my my, what my wide rear end. Guys are just as guilty. Uh, we, we, we're so guilty of hiding things with toys, hiding hiding a lack of what we'd like to be. And this toy will help me feel better about myself, and this toy will, and this boat, and this this SUV, and this you fill in the blank. This th- th- these tools they'll help me feel better about my lack of accomplishment. So I'll, I'll hide my lack of accomplishment with toys around my in my world and around my around my that I can at my disposal. Women will often hide inadequacies in their appearance with more makeup and more clothes and more so that I feel better. I feel less guilty and I feel less bothered about going out of the house looking this way. All of us have things we want to hide. Just like I began the message to say, there is this holding back is, it, it, I'm going to show you in a moment how detrimental it is, but it, it weighs on us and it grinds at us and it digs at us to where it's the norm. And holding back no longer ceases to be, or it ceases to be the, the exception to the rule in my life, and it becomes the rule of my life. And it now has become, as, as I said here just a moment ago, it moves us into a life of secrets, trying to hide the very things that everybody else sees and knows anyway. Whether we have a bunch of toys or whether I'm overweight, 
Everybody sees that and knows that anyway. I can try and hide it the best I, I can, the best I want to, so that I can feel better about it. But everybody around me sees the secrets that I have. They're, they're more exposed than we think they are sometimes. And so that's exactly what Achan tries to do in taking this and putting it in his tent, burying it in the ground. And, and, and we, we, always, uh, uh, we always, well, usually, fear and shame follows our lack of adequacy, our, 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 our focusing on want more than need. And what follows fear and shame is a great, the greatest tool the enemy has, and that's guilt. And he will start to push guilt buttons with us and say, listen, you will never be a, you'll, you'll never weigh 120 pounds again. You will never have this job. You'll never have the house of your dreams. You'll never have that GMC Denali that you'd like to be driving. You'll never, this, is, this lifestyle will, will, will run from you the rest of your days. And he starts to feed us with guilt. And guilt starts to have its root and its seed, and it starts to grow in us. And we start to believe the lie from the enemy. That says, well, maybe I am. Maybe this is my fault. Maybe it is the fact that I've, I've hidden this and I've, loved, I've lived a life of secrets. And now here's the payday for it. The payday is my own guilt that's consuming me day after day after day, and it turns into decade after decade. Guilt turns into secrets. Secrets turn into lies. And sooner or later, we can no longer recognize what's real from what's not. Why? Because it all started with the enemy saying, you're guilty. You're not this. You'll never be this. And, and you're going to carry this around for the rest of your life. And we start to believe the lie. And we start to have secrets here and secrets there. And, and it's, it's sooner or later we, 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 we wonder what's, what's truth from what's a lie. Listen to these words from Ephesians. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. What's he saying? Everybody sees it anyway. And exposure is going to come whether it's when we stand before the king or whether we're honest with each other now. It is far better to live in transparency. Get this. It is far better to live in transparency daily as a lifestyle rather than trying to remember what does he know? What does she know? What have I kept from him? What have I kept from her? What secret have I held away from them? What have I held away from Rather than trying to remember all those secrets and, and, and those relationships that exist and he knows this and she knows that and Rather than trying to remember, it's far easier just to live in transparency to say, I'm not all that. And I realize I'm not all that. And I've never been all of that. And I've never been the, maybe the thing, the person you think, I, think that I am or that I've, that I've lied to you to, to, to give the impression that I am. And it's far, far easier to live and walk in transparency. If Achan had come up and told Joshua right, right as he left Jericho, I don't think God's wrath would have burned to the degree that he took his own life and his family and his his sheep and his goats and his dog and his tent and burned it all. I think if Achan had come clean and said, listen, I'm guilty. And I, I, I walk, I've walked in sin. I've taken something that didn't belong to me. I saw what I wanted and I saw it more important than what I needed and I took it and I apologized. Let me give it back to God and repent whatever's coming my way. I, I really believe God would have forgiven him. But this idea of, of taking it and I deserve it and I'm entitled to it. Why? Because I, I went in here and I, I, I earned, earned the right to grab it. By, by taking the city over. So I take it, I bury it under, underneath my tent, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull it out as I need it and as I want it to make me feel better about myself. And there's consequences to that kind of behavior, and transparency is far easier than living a lie. We think, and the enemy tells us, keep lying, because you'll look better. We don't, because we, we don't know how the lies go. And the further we live, the more the lies start to become entwined with each other, and he knows this and she knows that, and the person we've told this to in confidence has told 16 people, and everybody knows it anyway. And we think, nobody knows this about us, and they do. And it's, it, in fact, whether they do or not, it shows in our countenance and on our face oftentimes. So 
It is far easier to live and walk in transparency than it is in, in, a, in, a, in a web of lies, in a web of secrets. Fourthly, this get, gets more of greater consequence. Holding back always has its fallout. Look at verses 24 and 25 with me. Then Joshua, together with Israel, took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold wedge, his sons and daughters, his cattle, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you this day. And you know the end of the story. He gets stoned. His kids get stoned. They kill, they burn, they stone them all and burn them all. Pretty severe consequences, wouldn't you say, for, for, for petty theft. What, what, amounted to the pe- to, what amounted to petty theft? But it wasn't petty theft to God because all those things belonged to God. And, and Achan took them, and, took them and claimed them for his own. So <clears throat> why, <clears throat> why in the world would we be, believe a lie from the enemy that says, says our secrets, our lies, the things we're holding back don't matter. We can keep them that way. We can keep them where they are. And they, and they never affect anybody but us. It's, just, it's, it's a lie straight from hell. This will only affect you. You're the only one that this is going to have any consequences on. And it never, it's never that way. It always affects those around us. It always affects those that are, that are closest to us. We think, you know, this is just my cross to bear, just my burden to bear. I'll live with this. I'll live with the secrets. And those around us end up paying too. And sometimes even to a greater degree, a greater price. And so there's this, there's this lie from the enemy that says, no, it's just you. You just keep this to yourself, and it'll just affect you. And it never, ever just affects us. It always affects those around us. Uh, it, it affects marriages. It affects kids. It affects careers. It affects friends or your lack of. It affects money. It affects health. Our living and walking in disobedience and living and walking with secrets instead of transparency always affects others around us. And even to the extent here that with, with him, with, with Achan, um, it's, it is this idea of claiming what belongs to God as your own. It's, there's danger in doing that. There's danger in coming into the kingdom, coming into the church, coming into anywhere and saying, this, this belongs to God, and I'm going to claim it as my own. Now, that, that applies to your marriage. It applies to your kids. They belong to him too. Your career belongs to him too. Every possession you have belongs to him. And how dare we claim things that already belong to him as our own? That's the price that Achan pays and that we pay oftentimes for doing that. So, and, and the, 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 the fallout, the huge fallout, the huge repercussions of all this is this. His family ends up paying for it. They had nothing to do with this, his kids. Now you heard the story. He goes in, he takes the robe, he takes the silver, takes the gold. His family's totally innocent in all this, yet they pay the price too. What does that say? It should say this. Moms, dads, grandmoms, granddads, there are consequences. There are multi-generational consequences for our disobedience. Multi-generational consequences for our own disobedience. Why? Because that's how God works. Now, is that fair? Is that right on the surface? Doesn't look like, doesn't look like it, is it? But that's how God, in fact, the Old Testament is full of that. And you've probably experienced that in your own world. Why? Because we never move beyond the reputation of our parents or our grandparents. Oh, he's such and such a son. He's such and such a daughter. He's the grandson of him or of her. And we, th- th- this idea that generations behind us, sometimes two and three and four generations deep, still fall, have the fallout and the repercussions from our own sin, our own disobedience, our own secrets, our own lies, our own lack of transparency. Now, as I say on the surface, that doesn't seem fair, does it? But it's true. That's why I say there's huge consequences to the decisions you make and the life you live and the secrets that you hold 
and our, our, our sense of holding back on, on, on God and claiming things that he owns as our own possession. There's consequences to that, and our kids may pay them, or our grandkids may pay them. That scares me to death. I don't know, I don't know about you, but the generations behind me will pay for my own disobedience, my own sin, my own mistakes, my own selfishness, my own self-consumption. How dare I claim what belongs to him as my own? Holding back, there's huge consequences to it. Uh, it's not just immaturity and blurring the lines between want and need and living a life of secrets and lies, but there's huge fallout. There's huge fallout to it. And it never just affects us, ever. We think so. That's what the enemy's telling us. And he tells us that if it's just you. It's just your deal. Nobody else knows about this. Others know and others are affected. And as I said, sometimes generations deep. Well, what's the takeaway? It's this. Let me ask you this question. It's the simplest. It's, it's, I'll ask it several times probably as we've gone through this message. That's this. What are you holding back? What are you holding back? What belongs to him that are you holding back? Is it a relationship? Is, is it a possession? Is it, what, what is it you're holding back? And I'm, I'm going to stop right there because if I, if I don't mention yours, you'll think you're safe. And he say, yeah, he didn't mention yours. You're okay. What are you holding back? What are you holding back from God? What are you holding back from your spouse? What are you holding back from your family? Would it not be a, a greater uh, lesson and, and, and victory today? We talked about victories last week. Would it not be a greater lesson and victory for you to let that go? Because here's the truth as we close. Letting it go not only frees you, it increases your influence. The transparency from it increases your influence. You think, how in the world? Yeah. Folks are drawn to transparency. They're drawn to honesty. They're drawn to what's real. They can already see what's fake. If you and I are fake about it, they already know that. You may think they don't, but they do. Folks are more perceptive than you think they are. You're as perceptive as, as most. And you, you can see that. You can, you can see a Something fake coming in the back door as soon as it walks in most of the time. Why? Because we're wired, we're wired to want what's real. We're wired to want and desire and go after what is what is true rather than what is false. And so we're seeking that around us in a world that's really veneered. We're seeking to the core of what is really real. What, what can I count on every time, every day, in every situation? Well, the more you and I live and walk in transparency, as on the surface embarrassing as that may seem for you to realize that I'm exposed now, and, and others see in me the things they didn't see and know before, it is far better for us to live and walk in transparency. Why? Because our influence increases and we're free from the lies that have us in bondage. We're free from the secrets that he knows and she knows. And, and we're, we're trying to figure out how, how, how deep the web is intertwined and all those kinds of things. It's far easier to walk in transparency and a far greater influence to walk in transparency than it is to walk in lies and secrets and the lessons we learn from Aiken are valuable in that sense. So, what are you holding back? What do you need to be freed from today? What has God pointed to your heart and pricked you to your heart today to say, let this, we, we, we just let this out. Will you let this out? And let it be known of your spouse, of your family, of those close to you, of those you can trust. Here's the reality in me. Now, I'm not where, I, not where I need to be. I'm not where I used to be, not where I want to be, but I, I, I will never be where I need to be until I'm, I'm, uh, I'm transparent about this and I'm real about it and I'm open about it. So today, whatever that looks like for you, I, I, I encourage you to walk in obedience and leave that here at this place and walk out of here freed from it to say, my world is going to see the real me. Those closest to me are going to see the real me. They're going to see, and they may not like it sometimes, and I'm, 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 I'm aware of that. They're going to see the real me. 
rather than the veneered me, the fake me, the, the, the me that I've wanted them to see. I'm going to live and walk in transparency, no more secrets. Uh, boy, Aiken and his whole family paid a huge price for his own sin. Let's not that, let that happen to us. I don't want my kids to pay for my own secrets in my own lives. Do you? How dare us do that? Let's walk in freedom today and leave that here. Let's pray.